You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, Jays fans, and welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm John Bishop, and coming up on this week's show, we continue our salute to the 2023 class of the Creighton Athletics Hall of Fame. Today, we will meet with soccer star Fabian Herbers. Also to come, Josh Peterson will have a conversation with cross-country runner Ryan Montera, and I will have a chance to sit down with head volleyball coach Kirsten Bernthal-Booth as the Jays have moved into a tie for first place and now look to solidify yet another Big East regular season championship. It's all coming up on this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. Now let's turn things over to Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome onto the podcast for the first time from the uh, cross-country team at Creighton. It is Ryan Montero. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm good, Josh. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. How do you feel like the season's gone for you and uh, you individually, you as a team so far this year? Yeah, um, definitely kind of all over the board and whatnot, but I think, um, all, you know, all, all things positive. I think individually, you know, I've just starting to hit my stride. I had a good performance at uh, Big East uh, a couple weeks ago in Kenosha, and so I'm feeling really good about it. But um, I think the, you know, the main story this year has got to be the team and just kind of how how we performed um, together this year. It kind of really feels... Um, not like the first time since I've been here, but just kind of the first time in general that just like everybody's really on the same wavelength. We've got everybody training together, everybody's, you know, you know, competing really well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the best season at Creighton I think we've had so far, which is really exciting. That's awesome. What's it like to get to this point for you as an individual in terms of like the physical grind and then the mental grind of everything? Um, I mean, towards the end, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different because you're really feeling like you're just you're ready to go you know I feel like the last three weeks and month I've just felt that my body my mind are so in tune with one another that it's just like you know let's let's just let's just see what happens let's go let's go make it happen um and that's kind of that's kind of a fun thing we've been you know really finding a good balance on the taper and making sure that we you know, ride the wave of fitness to the best we can. I think everybody's still, um, you know, we reflect in a workout we had yesterday morning. Everybody's still feeling really good, very mentally acute, um, but also very physically sharp as well. And so, um, yeah, just like I said, just pure excitement to go, you know, five and a half months of work, really get to get shown in the last two weeks here. And so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see what that means. That's great. Got to love feeling that, that good, especially as the season closes in. Uh, let's go back to uh, to your story as a runner. You grew up in Colorado. Uh, yeah. which I mean, obviously, you know, that's where a lot of runners go. Uh, how, how early in your life was this something that like where it became a thing for you? Um, well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of always been a thing. I grew up playing soccer. It's I have a very soccer oriented family, but 
Um, I ran a race called the Boulder Boulder, which is a, a 10 kid that goes to the streets of Boulder. And I, I've been doing that since I was in first grade. And I remember that just kind of being the first, like, ah, oh, this is kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I didn't really start getting into competitive cross country until I was in middle school. Um, but, you know, had a lot of success um, in middle school. It was a national qualifier when I was in seventh grade and kind of got a, got a, you know, got the sense of like, all right, we're, we're, you know, this may be something that you're good at, you're good at. And, you know, as soon as I got to high school, it's kind of full fledged, like, all right, we're, we're a runner now. So um, I'd, I'd say around, you know, kind of early teenage years was a really good opportunity where I, where I began to figure out what, who I was as a runner, who I was in an, as an athlete. Um, and, you know, as, as I've progressed through the four years of high school and even the three years at college, like, you know, it's, it's kind of a never ending journey. Like this is just a, this is just a, you know, a stop, no, not a stay on a, on a lifetime of running. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome. You know, I was going to ask you at the end, I'll just ask you now, you know, you're, you're getting near the end of your college career. How often do you think about what's next for you in, in terms of running and what you want to do beyond school? Oh, every day, man. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, this is, this is a sport that dominates my life so much and whatnot. I'm so grateful to have it. And not only just the, just the elements of, um, of running and competing, but just the team I have with me and whatnot. And, you know, I think it's important to realize the finiteness of it all to have a greater appreciation for it. Um, but, you know, I, I'd like to keep running as long as I can, you know, I imagine that the next step is going to be dabbling in some road races and some marathons and seeing what we can do there. I mean, um, I think my ultimate goal would be to make the Olympic trials in the marathon here in a couple of years and whatnot, just to kind of start to flirt with that, those longer distances and whatnot. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do think about it a lot of just like what's next and, and you know, how, how, how long we got left. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love the answer on your bio page on gocrayton.com. There's the question, you know, if you could run anywhere uh, and then with three people, who would you, who would you say? And you picked Kipchoge, Prefontaine and Des Linden. And you said on mags, have you ever run, have you ever run mags before? I have run mags. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> every time when I go for the summer, I like to, to run on mags. Magnolia road is so, it's so much fun to, um, just a, it's a test of fitness and just kind of mental grind and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think those three runners especially really embody kind of like mental poise of, of like, you know, the, the grit of long distance running and, and whatnot. And so, you know, getting to challenge myself on that with them would just be a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. I think the next time that I go to Colorado, I'm going to have to tell my wife like, Hey, I need, I need some time away from Denver. I need to go to Boulder and I want to run this. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the goal for me. It's, it's yeah. been, I was, I was scrolling through your Instagram this morning. It's been almost three years to the day since you announced that you were going to go to Creighton. It was near the very end of November. Uh, yeah. what was it about Creighton that, that you decided that this was the place for you? Cause obviously a few years later, you seem incredibly happy with your decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was looking at a couple of schools, um, you know, just, just in and around the region and whatnot. And, um, Creighton was fortunate the one I got to visit before COVID. Um, so like just a couple months before everything shut down, I, I got to visit, um, which I think was critical so that I could, you know, AC Omaha and then B meet, you know, the coaching staff and, um, the other athletes and whatnot. But, um, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew it was Creighton that there was just something so special about the community. So something, something so special about Gannon's vision that I wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, I feel like when I was getting recruited by these other schools, it was kind of almost like a, you know, you could be, uh, you could be a, you know, a teardrop in an ocean and whatnot. And when Gannon kind of emphasized, if you come here, you can be an oasis in the desert. And I really, I really liked that, um, that mentality. And, you know, I, it's, it's still the same thing three years later of just like, 
we are still on that same path of going up and up and up. And it has really shown the progress and the results have been there. And that's, that's a cool thing to, you know, that the, the promises he made when I was, you know, 17, 18 are still going to keep paying off when I'm 22. So I talked to, to coach Gannon, Chris Gannon before the season. Uh, it was, it was very obvious, like, you know, why he'd be someone that you'd want to run for. What, what kind of coach is he? Um, mentor, visionary, and friend at the same time. Um, I think there's, there's a, there's an element of brilliance to the way he goes about how he coaches. Um, I, you know, he's really into the, the science and whatnot, and just the the different data behind how you run and when you should run and what you should do. And, you know, that, that is, that takes a long time for your, your mind and body to get used to, but we know it, it produces results, which is, which is pretty phenomenal. But um, I also think there, you know, he really is a, does a phenomenal job about tapping into the emotional parts. Cause you know, like you said earlier, it's a, it's a grind of a sport, you know, not only physically, but mentally, and you have to really remain very, very locked in for a long time. And so, you know, having someone that you feel is very safely in your corner always, and always going to be your biggest um, fan and, you know, or is willing to kind of, you know, deal with the emotional side and what, what running is as a sport, not only as a competition, um, I, I think is, is really made all the difference in the world. It's why, you know, I, why I love to train so hard, why my teammates train so hard. It's, you know, there's a goal that we believe in and it, it is outlined by him. He's got the vision and, you know, we're, we're, we're on the path ready to try to make that vision a reality. Plus he hates Strava. Yeah, I had Strava too. Yeah, I know he, he he doesn't like he doesn't like the comparisons, <laughs> the thief of joy. But yeah, he doesn't he does not like Strava. Uh, the kind of along the lines of what you're just talking about. Um, I'm I'm curious of what it was like mileage wise in high school versus what it's been like in college for you. Yeah, um, high school, I I think I really peaked at 50, 55 miles. But you know, then again, we were only running five Ks and whatnot. Sure. So. Um, College, I it, it kind of depends on where we're at in the training. I think towards the top, I reach eighty or eighty-five miles as a threshold, um, and I'm I'm on the higher or highest end of that, because um, that includes you know a more heavy-duty workouts and doubles and longer long runs and all that you know all that fun stuff. So um, I'd like to think I hover around somewhere between sixty-five and eighty miles in any given week and. Well, not depends on where we are in the season and how my body feels, but um, really trying to push that threshold of getting up to the mileage I've found has been successful for me. That's awesome. One more before we let you go. Uh, big week, obviously, as we're recording this, the Midwest regionals are, are coming up at the end of the week uh, in Stillwater. What, what's what? I guess what type of mindset do you have at this point? And this kind of goes back to something I guess that we began the conversation with as you get so close to to such an important time of the year. Um, it's really, you know, what the hell you got out left. And, and I think that's such a critical element of, um, what our training is. I, you know, I, I view our team as a dark horse of some sorts of that, you know, we're just kind of starting to show, show some of the signs of promise of really competition in the region and in, in our conference. Um, and so we're, we're out there to shock. We're out there to surprise. We're out there to, you know, kind of cause some chaos. I think we've got the the slate of guys that we need to really make this, this happen. And, um, to just go show people what, what, what we're about in this region. I think, you know, we're trying to go for the top half in the region and whatnot and really give people a run for their money, but it's all about racing aggressively and kind of having an internal belief regardless of what's going on around, around everything else. You know, we know we're ready for this. We've trained for the Hills. We've trained for the distance. We've trained for the competition. We know that when this time has come, we've been thinking about Friday for a long time and we are ready to go for it. Well, Ryan, look forward to seeing how it goes. Good luck to you this week. Good luck to you as you continue your career and whatever is next. And thanks for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate it, Josh.
John, back to you. Thanks, Josh. Coming up next, volleyball coach Kirsten Bernthal-Booth. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Welcome back to the 1620 The Jays podcast. Last weekend, it was another very, very successful weekend for Creighton Volleyball. They have now swept nine straight, including the formerly solo first place team, the Marquette Golden Eagles. The head coach of Blue Jay Volleyball, Kirsten Bernthal Booth, joins us. Coach, given the level of competition, was last Sunday uh, versus Marquette among the best performances you've ever had one of your teams give? Ooh, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I, okay. I honestly, it was, we played well, um, but Marquette did not play well. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I've told the team of, Hey, I liked what we did. We didn't give points away. You know, we really were in control of that match. So all those things are good, but I don't want us to get real comfortable. I, I think it was a testament of solid play from us and really, you know, quite poor performance from the Marquette team that I know that they are. You've won 24 straight sets since Nora Sis returned from injury. She's obviously made a difference as you would expect her to, but I'm curious, what did your group learn in that time that she was gone and, and in terms of how coping with that and how much better did your team get before she was able to come back? Yeah, I think we did get a lot out of it. You know, when we went to Italy this spring, we were playing everyone. And I think what we walked away with, not only as coaches, but the team was we're, we're solid from one to 18. And so the trust was getting developed. Well, when the injury, and it's not just Nora, we've had multiple injuries um, and when those injuries have happened, people stepped up and stepped into different roles. And I think there's a trust of whoever's on the court, we can win. Um, and, you know, Nora being such a key cog, both front and back row, really, you know, kind of set a tone of like, okay, even, even if Nora's out, you know, we've got great players that can step in and, and we can still win a lot of matches. Talking with head coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth, the Jays this weekend are on the East Coast, final road trip of the regular season as they'll take on both Seton Hall and St. John's. And last night, Seton Hall got the win over St. John's, knocking them out of the three-way tie for the moment. Uh, 
I'm sure that's going to get a lot of people's attention, even though Seton Hall hasn't been bad this year. They've been hanging around 500 and they're in the upper half of the league standings. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, you're exactly right. Seton Hall is what Seton Hall does well is that they're not going to beat themselves. They are really a disciplined team, really well coached, completely bought in. They're on a second year head coach, Uh, but they don't have the athletes St. John has. I think they just outworked them. They, you know, they kept in long points. There weren't a lot of kills in the match. There were a lot of errors overall. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that, you know, and I told the team, I mean, obviously it's a wake up call of, Hey, don't be looking ahead to St. John's. We got to, you know, focus on Seton hall. And then the the other thing is St. John's historically, not so much this year, sometimes can be up and down really good one night and then struggle the next night. So I have no doubt we will see, the St. John's that beat Marquette a couple weeks ago and, and who has, um, you know, really dominated most of the league. What is going to be key in both matchups? You just mentioned what, you know, Seton Hall does well. Is it mainly just a don't overlook Seton Hall? And if we do what we do, we should be okay. Or is there a little bit more to that when you face the Pirates? Well, I, I do think we physically are the better team. You know, we just have better athletes on our team. But like I told the team yesterday, I said, we've beat teams that have better, better athletes than us because we're the more disciplined team. Now, I think we're a pretty disciplined team. So I said, you know, we've got to be who we are. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, if we play the way that we're capable of playing, I think we win the match, but there's no question, you know, everyone's good enough. If we don't put our best out there, Seton Hall could bite us. And then with St. John's, you mentioned they can be up one day and down the next. And I have to imagine now with their backs a little bit against the wall because they need to keep pace that they'll probably be better, more on the good side. Also, would you anticipate that the just the atmosphere in the building will be a little more electric than perhaps uh, it might normally be? Yeah, it's senior night for both squads when we're playing them. So that yeah. always brings a little bit of an edge. Um, and St. John's has a lot of good pieces. It's a foreign-laden team. Uh, a lot of these players have played for a really long time at a high level. Um, yeah, they they physically have some really good pieces. And I have no doubt we're going to get their best shot and we're going to need to be ready to go. This was a big week for everyone um, because of signing day. And you went out and signed four players earlier this week in the 2024 recruiting class. You pretty much got one from just about every level. You got a defensive specialist, outside hitter, a middle blocker, and a setter. Was that the intent from the beginning, or did it just kind of work out that way? Um, Yeah, I mean, we definitely had some needs. We knew we wanted a setter in the class, um, and Emerson Strain, we're really excited about her out of, out of Colorado. Um, we knew we needed a middle, and uh, that's a local player, Nora Wirtz, out of D.C. West. Um, and then we always usually try to pick up a pin and Sophia Wenlick out of, uh, the Milwaukee area or really she's coming off a state championship, um, you know, and she's just can do both right side and left side. And, um, you know, we think she's a great pickup. And then, you know, uh, the DS that we've picked up is of Houseman out of Morris and you know she's uh played on a lot of winning teams and um you know you, you just need people that can ball handle uh so you know she'll be great a great addition also was it difficult to pull Sophia out of Milwaukee I mean right underneath not only Marquette's nose but Wisconsin's nose 
You know, I think she was uh, really interested in what we provided academically to her. I, I don't, you know, Marquette was never a school that she was looking at when we were, when we got into the process, we were a little late getting in on her. Um, and she was looking at other schools. I think maybe she wanted to leave the area. You also had to go through signing day as a parent. Your daughter Reese has signed on to play volleyball at UNI. I'm curious, how difficult is it to balance the coach and the mom during that process? Well, the hardest part was putting on a UNI sweatshirt. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I've, the UNI coach, I mean, you can imagine she's been there longer than I've been at Creighton and we were in the Valley together. And I think really highly of her. Um, and, you know, you go through the process and you really, you know, you sell things in recruiting. But then when it's your kid, you're like, OK, are those things the same things that you're selling and recruiting? And they really were. You know, I wanted it. And, you know, I told Reese, you want to be in an environment that people are going to care about you as a person. We talked a lot about winning, you know, that that losing going to a bigger name school that loses a lot. I said, you got to process that Reese because you and I wins a lot. This is a very good program that looks like they're on trend to make the NCAA tournament again uh, this year. And, you know, so it is kind of fun to go through it as a parent and kind of talk about the priorities that you talk about to recruits. Am I saying the same things, uh, same things to my daughter? And I think she found a good fit. I'm excited for her. At what point did you start having conversations with her about her volleyball future and what she and you wanted your role to be in it? Because it is a unique perspective. This is your vocation, but you're also her mom. Yeah. Well, if you people that know me well will say that I always think my kid's the worst kid in the gym. So for a long time, I was like, well, I don't know if she can play maybe D2 volleyball. And so that was kind of so we actually visited some D2 schools. That's kind of thought where where I thought she'd land. And then as she kind of emerged later, she was getting um, division one looks. But, you know, I what I did was try to help her. The inside information I could give her was good humans. You know, there were a couple schools that I said, I just don't think this is the person that you want to play for. But once we got to the point of, okay, this is a group of people that I'm comfortable with all these people, then it came down to what's important for her. You know, she wanted to stay in the Midwest. She wanted to be at a school that she thought she could contribute. She didn't, you know, we talked about, do you want to go to a top 25 school and know that you likely will be a role player or do you want to go someplace that you think that they're recruiting you with the idea that you have a shot to play? And, you know, those, those answers can be different kid to kid. Um, and so those were the things that I kind of asked her. Um, and then ultimately I didn't go on visits with her once she did official visits because it was in August and I was in preseason. So sure. my husband and Reese went on those trips and which was, that was hard not to be there. Probably good for her because I'm sure I would have asked too many questions. And um, so in hindsight, it's it's probably good, but the mama and me wishes I could have been there. Um, but I can tell you, the good thing is I don't think she's had buyer's remorse at any time. I think she's felt good about it. Um, and ultimately it was just that she felt like she connected with the players and coaches. And I mean, you know this from tracking college sports, you spend a lot of time with these people and, if you don't feel a connection to them, regardless of how good the program is or regardless of how much stuff you're going to get, you're probably not going to have a great experience. 
probably another good reason you didn't go on those visits because, you know, it'll start rumors that, oh, uh, so-and-so's coach was spying on us this week, and we don't need any more of that in college sports right now. (laughs) Yeah. Justin Bernthal Booth, head coach Creighton Volleyball. Jay is on the road this weekend on the East Coast, Seton Hall, St. John's, and then, of course, back at home as the regular season winds down, the race for the regular season championship, and then we'll get into the postseason. Coach, good luck this weekend. Appreciate the time, and uh, safe journeys. My pleasure. Thanks, John. Thanks again, Coach. And now the 1620 The Jays podcast continues with the newest member of the Creighton Athletics Hall of Fame. And with him, here is Connor Happer. How you doing? How, how, how is everything? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words uh, and for the introduction. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, love to hop on and, and take some time, obviously. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I'm in Chicago currently. It's, it's getting a little bit chillier here. Uh, in the 30s, uh, the weather, but um, the, our season unfortunately uh, ended uh, early. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs with the Chicago Fire, which is my current MLS team that I play for. Um, but other than that, I'm good. I'm I'm healthy. Um, you know, still still enjoy playing and and always love to to look back at my my Creighton time. Obviously, very good. Well, you've you've come to the right place for it. So take take me back. <laughs> you. You get the you get the call, um, or how does it sort of happen to you when you learn that you're going to be inducted into the Creighton Hall of Fame? Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was uh, grocery shopping actually. I was in the Whole Foods, and between pasta and pasta sauce, I was getting the call from my uh, my ex assist uh, my yeah former assistant coach Johnny Torres, who's now the head coach of the program, obviously. Um, together with the athletic director, um, and they they told me that I was going to going to be, yeah, inducted, um, you know, to the Creighton Hall of Fame. Obviously, it's a great honor. Um, I didn't expect it at all. Uh, I was very surprised uh, to to hear from them, um, you know, amongst uh, all these great athletes that that have been with the with the school, with the university, with the athletics. Um, they've had all great achievements, and and now to be part of that, it's yeah, it's a great honor, and and very grateful for uh for them to call me so okay so aside from the fact that you're in the grocery store um looking for whatever pasta sauce you're gonna get for the night um what what are sort of the emotions like because at that point i mean this is a couple months ago you're you're in the middle of a season and probably not feeling particularly you know retrospective at the time so like I, i guess what are the sort of emotions like yeah, I mean, obviously very, very happy, very, uh, yeah, like I said, very honored, very grateful um, for the call. Uh, like you said, I wasn't wasn't expecting it at all. You know, my, my thoughts were some, somewhere else, but not the, not the, the Creighton experience at that time, you know, in the grocery store. So, uh, so yeah, just an un- unexpected call from Johnny Torres. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, kept in touch with him throughout the years. You know, maybe I thought he he wanted maybe some tickets for a game, or, or maybe he had a chance to come up to Chicago to see me, or or maybe they were playing here at DePaul, or uh, something like that. Is usually what the, what he uh, reaches out for. But uh, no, he he uh, he congratulated me and 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 he told me the news, and I was just super happy, super grateful, and and, and very very honored. Yeah. So, so how close have you, I mean, obviously with, with Johnny being an assistant at the time that you were there and him being the head coach now, like how, how close have you stayed in touch with, with the program and how much do you try and keep tabs on it? Obviously it's been pretty successful um, and you left it in a great place and, and it's sort of continued in that regard since you've left. 
Yeah, no, of course. I always, yeah, try to to catch up. Um, you know, especially with Johnny. I always wish him luck for the season. Obviously, he was a great assistant coach back then, and I was excited for him to to get the opportunity to get the chance to be the head coach. And obviously, you still follow the program, um, not as closely as I did when I just had left, because then you have like a lot of friends still playing there that you played with. And now, yeah, over the years, obviously, there's always a lot of turnover that that you don't follow, you know, you don't tune in at night and then watch the games um, every every time. But uh, back then I still did it and, and I, I watched closely. And now throughout the years, you know, you're just getting the updates that uh, that, that are on Twitter or, or Instagram and, and then you see the results. And obviously, you know, when, when they had great results or, um, you know, when the season is about to start, you, you send a text here and there and, and vice versa. So it's 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 good to stay in touch, I think, with with friends and people that you've worked with. So you're able to maybe put it in a little bit of perspective now. Um, it, like your your time at Creighton, I know it's sort of a it's sort of a weird question, but w- like, what are the first couple of things that you think about when, whether it's a memory or just you know some things that sort of stand out to you from from your time being a Blue Jay? Once again, obviously, you're really successful um, in, in your time there, but like, what are the first couple of things you come to your mind? Whether it's just a little thing on the field, off the field, or or anywhere else. Yeah, and I mean, in in perspective, like if you look at the bigger pictures, obviously, like the lifelong friendships and the experience you had on and off the field. Obviously, you're, um, you're, like I feel like college soccer is you're all at the same age uh, as opposed to pro soccer, where where I play now. You know that you have some right. guys that are twenty and some guys are thirty five, but you're all around the same age. You're all going through the same experience, pretty much, and um, and you grow really as a family and. and you know, they're not only your friends, they're not only your teammates, but they are your family. You know, they see you in your, in your best moments, but also in your worst, um, you know, you room with them, you have, um, you spend pretty much 24 seven with them. You're in the gym with them. You're in the classes with them. So I think, you know, having that family and having that experience was, was really unique and, and having those, um, yeah, friendships, you know, that still last uh, until today. I think that's something that, um, yeah, that I'm, I'm really, really happy that I went through and, and really grateful for. And then, yeah, I think the small, yeah, not a small thing, but other than that, it was just very enjoyable to play soccer on a, on a high level. Um, honestly, coming back, coming from Germany, I, I didn't know a lot about college soccer, um, to be honest. And, and I could have ended up somewhere in, in a D2, D3 school. Um, and I was very, it was very random and I was very lucky at the time to get like a really good soccer program with, with Creighton university and, and the blue Jays. So I'm very, very happy and very lucky that, that I got that program with, with all the facilities, with the stadium that they have, you know, which is iconic for college soccer. Um, so, so I was really, um, yeah, happy to, to have the memories, you know, to have a good, good college and, and soccer uh, experience as well. I was going to ask you about that. So what, what was the process? If you could take me back that far, what, what was the process of, I mean, first of all, figuring out that you wanted to come to the States and, and play and then ending up at, at Creighton. So how did that, how did that process go? And, and thinking about it now, like how crazy does it sound? No, it's very crazy actually, because I was, uh, after finishing high school, I was very undecided, uh, what I wanted to do, uh, in Germany, um, where I'm from, it's, uh, there's no such thing as uh, university sports. So it's either you try to go the route where you try to become a professional soccer player 
or you go the route, you go to university, but then you probably um, cut the dream uh, of, of being a professional and, and college soccer or co college sports in general is a great system where you can do a little bit of both, where you can still play on a, on a sort of high level, but then also get your degree. And, and that's what I kind of wanted back then when I was in Germany, uh, you know, I was like 19 years old and kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I think making a step abroad um, over the Atlantic, you know, go to a new country, learn the language perfectly. I mean, I knew some English, but obviously not as well as I do now. And um, yeah, just having a whole new experience that, that nobody or not nobody ever had, but but not not a lot of people um, usually have uh, was something that, that excited me at the time. And then I, I yeah, had this agency that I worked with that kind of uh, got in touch with, with Creighton, with Elma Bolovich, who was, who was a um, German head coach. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, he lived, he lived in the States for like 20, 30 years already, but, uh, but he still knew German. And then the convincing was obviously pretty easy then when he told me, oh, we just moved to the big East. We're going to see cities like Chicago, New York, Washington, DC, and we're going to have away games there. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's very promising, very exciting to hear. And then, so yeah, the cr recruiting, you know, that took care of itself, you know, kind of the words that, that, uh, or the, the conversations that I had with, with Elma Bolovich at the time. Um, so yeah, very, very excited to, to then go, go over to Creighton and then have that experience. So yeah, you got, I mean, you, you're really jumping out on a limb. Like you don't know anything about it, Omaha coming in, right? Obviously they're selling you on where Creighton's going to play in the big East, which is super exciting, but you, you don't know anything about Omaha. You're just taking uh, coach Bullwich's hand and, and saying, all right, take me wherever we're going to, wherever we're going to go here. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, everything was actually very last minute, so I didn't even get a visit um, the school first. You know, sometimes they these programs when you have they plan like a year ahead, you know, for for their recruitment and they, um, yeah, they recruit their players and, and invite them over to see how everything is, to make them comfortable, to make their parents comfortable, and you know all these 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 little things that that matter. But for me, it was very last minute, and and like you said, I didn't know anything about Omaha. Um, I'm, I'm actually from a small town in Germany as well. So, so Omaha, uh, back then seemed for me like a big city, <laughs> which is uh, kind of funny to say, but, um, now living in Chicago, I, you actually get the perspective how, how sort of small Omaha is, but, uh, nonetheless, I was very, very happy there. And, and it was a great place for, um, to play college sports. You know, you have your freedom there. You have, uh, you have anything you need and Creighton, uh, provided that for, for me and for, for the athletes. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience, but, but like you said, I didn't know anything, uh, where I was going and I could have, like I said before, I could have ended up somewhere in, in a D2, uh, D3 school or NIAA or, um, something similar where, where they didn't have the resources or they didn't have that good of a program. Like I seriously didn't know. Well, you, yeah, right. You probably wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> like, no, I, obviously, the size and the scale of it would have been different, but it, you know, you just had to have the connection in there. Yeah, like I was just lucky. I had a good agency that that actually took me to to a good, good, uh, good place um, to study and and to play soccer at. Because, um, I mean, obviously, I I had a good profile. You know, I was kind of always a smart guy. Like I, I like to, to study, uh, you know, I liked uh, being in school always. And then obviously the soccer prof profile was there as well, but 
um, if you have a little bit of a bad agency that that they just want to you know send you over and, and just make some money off of you, um, then it could have ended ended up somewhere. But uh, as as like a German born, you don't really think about college sports. You know, you don't really understand it either, and you think college equals college, but you don't know that there's like you know the vast differences that there are. Right. How did I mean? You know, with all that, whether it's the city or the type of competition that you were guys, you guys were playing against as your first, you know, your first few years in the Big East, basically, you guys were able to get established. Like, how how did how did Creighton prepare you for the next level? Obviously, it was it, you know you were good enough, so you had to, um, you know, you left a year early and were the sixth pick in the in the MLS draft. Like, how did how did your experience at Creighton sort of prepare you for the next level? Yeah, obviously the the soccer was very uh, yeah on a good level. You had a lot of international students um, as well, you know, from South America, from Europe, even like we had an Asian guy on the team, um, you know, and and obviously the the Americans as well, you know, who are usually always like a little bit fitter. They they love to go to the gym, you know. They um, big they guys, usually, yeah, big guys. <laughs> they're usually more on on the athletic side, which which I. Um, I had to get used to um, coming over from from Europe, where soccer is a little bit more technical and tactical. Um, it was a little bit more, yeah, physical and athletic in in college, and I had to get used to that. I had to get used to all the gym sessions that we had to attend when, when with my previous soccer teams, probably maybe once a week we did go to the gym, where it was like three, four times here, and preparing and and after training and cold top and form rolling and all these little things. Um, that I didn't actually know from uh, from my time uh, growing up back in Germany, so uh, so I had to get used to that. But I think um, you know over time, even though I was struggling with it in the beginning, over time I got yeah I did get used to it and I got better because of it because I think the physical aspect is is huge in in any sport and, and in soccer as well. Um, so I think that helped me as well to to excel and then ultimately you know have a lot of success in in, in college sports. Awesome. Well, Fabian, I appreciate you joining, man. This is, this has been really fun. Well, you have a great story. Um, uh, you know, I can't wait to, you know, uh, people around here can't wait to sort of honor you and, and, and the class that you're going in with, which is super star studded, um, here in just a short amount of time. So I appreciate you joining the podcast. It's a really fun chat and, um, congratulations. Uh, welcome to the, the Creighton hall of fame. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That is former Blue Jay Fabian Herbers, who just wrapped up another year in the MLS with the Chicago Fire. Mentioned in there, he was the sixth overall pick in the 2016 MLS Super Draft. So he just finished up yet another year there. Not sure about what happens next year. He's got an option on his contract for what he's doing now. But 2013 to 2015 at Creighton, two-time Big East Offensive Player of the Year. 28 goals in his career. Went to the NCAA Tournament three times. Um, I mean, one of the most decorated Creighton soccer players that that we've ever had. So a well-deserved honor to get him into the Hall of Fame. 98 inductees after these four go in this year. That'll be Friday, November the 10th. Fabian Herbers, Marissa Janning, Marissa Murphy now, uh, Christina Lunceford from softball in the 90s, and Dave Schrage goes in as a baseball player and an assistant coach uh, from the 1980s on the Creighton baseball team. So that's the class for the Blue Jays, 98 after this inductee class, the 55th Hall of Fame class in Creighton school history. By the way, if you want tickets to the event, it'll be Friday, November the 10th at the Steelhouse. 
the new facility downtown. You could just head to GoCreighton.com, and there are tickets available uh, for you to register for for that event. Uh, appreciate Fabian joining the podcast. Uh, super fun chat and some great stories about his time before, during, and now after his time at Creighton. All right, I'm Connor Happer. That is it for me on this week's edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast. We will now send it back to John Bishop. John? As we wrap up this week's 1620 The Jays podcast, here's a look at what's happening this weekend in Creighton Athletics. By the time most of you download this podcast, the women's basketball game against South Dakota will already be done. But just in case you got an early look, 11.30 a.m. Friday morning, 11.80 The Zone will be the home radio station. And, of course, you can also watch it on Flow Hoops. And then volleyball at Seton Hall to take on the Pirates. That match will begin at 5 o'clock. Flow Sports will have live video coverage. Then, coming up on Saturday, Creighton basketball against North Dakota State. Game 2 of the young season. We'll have coverage on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg, starting with our pregame at 11 a.m. Tip-off from CHI Health Center is at 1 o'clock. And then volleyball finishes up their New York City metro area road swing as they take on St. John's in Queens. First serve time is at 4 o'clock. Now we fast forward ahead to Tuesday, the Gavit Games, the Big East versus Big Ten Showdown. Huge matchup for the Blue Jays as they will take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7 p.m. Remember, this is a late tip-off, folks, so plan accordingly. 9 p.m. tip-off on Tuesday night from CHI Health Center. Of course, the coverage on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. The women's basketball team will return to the floor on Thursday night to take on Green Bay. That will be at Sokol Arena with broadcast time on News Talk 1290 at 6 p.m. And then volleyball will wrap up the regular season at home next weekend with matches on Friday and again on Sunday. Friday, they'll take on Xavier at 6. Saturday, they'll wrap up the regular season against the Butler Bulldogs at 1 o'clock. And that's a look at what's ahead in Creighton Athletics. That'll wrap things up for the 1620 The Jays podcast. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.